Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the weekly top three, the top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the week of March 25th, 2019. The weekly top three is a regular segment on the Michael Duke Show. The show broadcasts on Facebook Live and via streaming audio from the show's website weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. I join Michael on the show each Tuesday morning from 6.20 to 7 a.m. for a discussion between the two of us about our three issues. We post the podcast of our discussion following the show on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud pages, and on my website at bgkeithley.com. You can find past episodes of the Weekly Top 3 also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, during the week you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, our top three issues are these. First, the false choice the Alaska House majority is pushing between spending cuts and PFD cuts. There are other options that are better for most Alaskans, which the House steadfastly is refusing to discuss. Second, Governor Mike Dunleavy's 10-year outlook. It's the most important analysis we have seen in the seven years since the start of the state's fiscal crisis about the various alternative ways forward. To us, it's a very important read. Our third issue concerned whether the Buckeye Institute, identified in the 10-year plan, intends to provide the same type of distributional look at the impact of various options on Alaskans that the Institute for Taxation and Economic Economic Policy did in 2017. But we ran out of time before reaching that issue on the show. We will return to it in subsequent episodes. And now, let's join Michael. We're going to kick off with number one in what I thought was a mixed blessing. I mean, you know, when the House announced that they were going to be doing these road shows around the state of Alaska, um, I was happy and, and you know, I was kind of, it was a mixed emotions at the point because I was happy because for the first time they were going to be holding the legislative sessions, portions of them anyway, for public testimony on the road system and nobody in Juneau threw a fit, which I thought was shocking. Uh, and, and, and Alaskans got a chance to go out there and vote. Now they can never hear again about how we've held session on the road and nobody showed up. Now it didn't mean that everybody that I wanted to showed up, but, uh, it is what it is. Uh, but there were some other things that they were out there peddling as well. That wasn't nearly as good. Let's talk about the house road shows and this dichotomy, uh, this false narrative that they seem to want to peddle out there on the road. I got. I got to tell you, I was hugely disappointed um, at these roadshows and what the uh, the House Finance Committee did. the The presentations they did and the slides they handed out uh, were focused on one thing, and it was you're either for uh, budget cuts uh, or if you want to maintain spending, then we've got to cut the PFD. There wasn't any discussion of any other alternative uh, other than cutting the PFD. It was, it was binary. It's, it's one or the other. We either, we either cut the budget, we cut all these services that people want to, in various places, want to keep, or we cut the PFD. I mean, it, it actually, Michael, I, I, people are going to you know, sort of chuckle at this, but it, it, made me, it made me long for the days of Paul Seaton, when at least Paul <laughs> Seaton w- would, ad- would admit 
that there were other mechanisms to finance government. Now, Seton never wanted to cut the budget in the way that the way that 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 Governor Dunleavy does, and the way you and I have talked about on this show for the past several years. Uh, but at least Seton admitted that there were other ways to finance other fin- other ways to finance spending, more equitable ways, ways that were softer on the Alaska economy, better for the Alaska economy uh, than cutting the PFD. But but this roadshow had none of that. It was you know, the, the the three charts they had, the three slides they had, were all PFD cuts or budget cuts. Right. Uh, and and that's that's just a false narrative. It's a, it's it's an absolutely false uh, choice. There, I, you and I have talked a lot about flat taxes uh, on the show, and and flat taxes have are a lot better for eighty percent of Alaska families uh, than PFD cuts. PFD cuts are geared to help the top twenty percent avoid dodge the cost of of Alaska government if we're going to keep Alaska spending high. PFD cuts are are, are are the mechanism to enable the top 20% of Alaskans to uh, to dodge paying a, a, a proportionate share of the cost of that high spending. Their geared PFD cuts are geared to dump those costs, dump the costs of, of continued high spending onto the remaining 80%, particularly middle and lower income Alaska families. Um, but there was none of that. I mean, right. no discussion of that uh, uh, in in the roadshow whatsoever. Well, and let's let me let's take the first slide just for an example. And for those of you who are listening on the radio, uh, I'll be posting these on Facebook so you can go take a look at them. But the one that really got me was that first one. I mean, they're not even they're not even pretending. I mean, right at the top of the page, it says budget cuts versus PFD. And then it shows you the various levels, a $3,000 PFD, a $1,600 PFD, a $630 PFD. And they're like, here's your choices. Well, wait a second. None of those are the choices that I want to take. Pay the statutory PFD and bring government down within its means. That's not even an option for these guys. They're not even talking about that. Yeah, exactly right. It, the, I mean, to, to, to follow up on that in the James Brooks article that you were talking about, um, uh, earlier in the show, before I before I came on, there's a there's a piece down in there that I think is 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 very telling, um, and 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 this is Andy Josephson, who's on the uh, who's actually my representative from the district I live in, um, uh, talking about, and who's a member of the House Finance Committee, talking about talking about how the how the House is de- how the House uh, Caucus Majority Caucus is dealing with this. Um, it's set up with a quote from Colleen Sullivan Leonard that you that you repeated it says the million dollar question is how we're going to pay for it, said Representative Colleen Sullivan Leonard, Re- Republican Wasilla, the member of the Finance Committee. A smaller p- permanent fund dividend is likely part of the answer. Josephson said he'd like to see lawmakers take a different ap- approach and raise taxes, other taxes, thus allowing them to fund the dividend and services. But there isn't enough support in the 25 member coalition house majority to take that track unfortunately the political winds reflected that there's just a binary solution that dividends may be smaller than statutorily authorized in other words the house majority caucus have decided and this is this is a caucus this is a 25 member caucus um uh, 17 members of which are either democrats or or 15 democrats and two independents so Presumably, people who go around saying, "Hey, we're standing here for middle and lower income Alaska families," um, 
this is a House Majority Caucus that's saying it's either PFD cuts or it's budget cuts. We're not going to consider we're not going to consider anything else. And that's just a false choice. It's a false choice. It's budget. It's 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 spending versus new revenues. If we're if we're going to continue to spend, we do need we do need revenues. But PFD cuts are not the only are not the only revenue choice. I really am curious in this 25 member House caucus. I mean, I understand that Steve Thompson, who's a representative from the top 20 percent, Jennifer Johnson, who's a representative from the top 20 percent, Chuck Kopp, who's a representative from the top 20 percent. I understand they're going to favor PFD cuts. But in this 25 member caucus, I would be fascinated, extremely interested in a roll call of what 13 members, assuming they go by majority vote, what 13 members are pushing for PFD cuts um, uh, in, in instead of looking at instead of looking at other options, what 13 members are are making this the false choice between uh, spending cuts or or PFD cuts? And that's really the million dollar question because these guys are the ones that you know most of these people ran on. Uh, when they reran, most of them said, "Yep, we're going to give you the PFD. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." That was one of the top three issues, of course, budget, PFD, and crime, which we haven't done a whole lot with this year, which is surprising since it was the hot button issue of the election. But here we go. This is, I mean, this is this is the answer right here. Uh, is uh, to just cut the PFD. I all I too would like to know who else is jumping on board, and we can see some of the usual candidates uh and culprits on this but uh the fact that they are so blatant about it just budget cuts versus the pfd and we could see that's how they were going to frame the argument from the very beginning i've been i've been warning people that this is what's coming that they're not even going to really give you a choice on this but it's 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 really shocking to see it in stark contrast like this in black and white yeah is it i mean so you we know who the 25 members are and and you can start going down. You can start going down the list. If if you assume that that Democrats who say that they are that they're concerned about impacts on middle and lower income Alaska families and they're concerned about the overall impact on the Alaska economy, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact of all the choices on the overall Alaska economy. If you assume that 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 there's some core Democrats who who like Josephson say. That they would that they would prefer another option rather than just PFD cuts. Who in that 25 member caucus is pushing for PFD cuts? Who's holding? Is Tammy Wilson one of those who's now pushing for PFD cuts? Has she gone over? And is she one of those who are now who's now uh, supporting PFD cuts as, a, as opposed to, to other options? I'm. It. it we're going to need to work down this list, or I'm going to be working down this list, ferret out statements they've made, and try to identify. Who is really at the core of of trying to protect the top twenty percent at the expense of middle and lower income Alaska families? Well, and just sidebar, quick sidebar. I, I'm getting a little concerned. I mean, here again, I just mentioned that crime was the number one issue, and we, you know, we need to basically punish the criminals and incarcerate criminals. And instead, Tammy Wilson is pushing forward a proposal that instead of putting these guys in jail, would increase now the monitoring and the ankle bracelet and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know what her constituents are thinking, but uh, when I read that, I had to reread that 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 portion of the article several times to get my head around it. Like, 
wait, this is the same, you know, this is the same issue that the vast majority of Alaskans are very frustrated with, that we're basically giving them the revolving door and the keys to the kingdom by allowing them out. And now instead of shipping them off to a cheaper solution outside, we're going to try and create even more uh, ways that they could stay out of prison and 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 be free on the people's dime, so to speak. So, I mean, I don't even know what to say at this point. I, I'm just shocked. Yeah, it's it's uh it, it's very frustrating. I mean, it's very frustrating that we have a situation in which in which we have representatives um, uh, essentially closing their eyes to better alternatives. I mean, even if you assume that we're going to keep spending levels high, closing their eyes to to better alternatives for eighty percent of Alaska families, eighty percent of Alaska families, and the overall Alaska economy closing their eyes to options that are better for 80% of Alaska families in the overall economy and, and continuing to go down this track of protecting the top 20%. Well, and what, yeah. really, what really shocks me is that they're not even talking about the effect of PFD cuts. That's the thing. I mean, they keep talking about the overall budget, the economy, the government, but none of them have taken a hard look and really talked about what the effect would be and what the effect is of a taking of the PFD on Alaskans as a whole. And you've got a second chart in that post that you put up that talks about the comparison of effects on Alaska's family of uh, the PFD cuts. And you use it for during the flat tax, but what gets me is that you can look at it and you could see the effect uh, on the, uh, this disparity of the top 20% versus the lowest 20% and everywhere in between. We're talking about taking a percentage of income from people ranging from you know, 1.6% on the top end to 20% on the bottom end. That's that's insane. Yeah, and that's a that's at a $1,600 PFD. I mean, it, it, when you when you look at what the House Finance is doing and the and the miserably low level of cuts that they've made thus far in the subcommittee process, uh, you're you're looking at something that's much lower than a $1,600 PFD. You're looking at something that's in the range of a $600 PFD, and there. The, the, the impact on middle and lower income Alaska families of that sort of PFD cut is is 11% for just a middle income Alaska family. We're taking more than 10% of a middle income Alaska family's income uh, by PFD cuts, and you get up to 35% um, uh, in the in the lowest 20% of uh, of Alaska families. It, it's 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 shocking the effect that this has, the, the tilted effect of PFD cuts against middle and lower income Alaska families. And as ICER, as the as the 2016 ICER analysis uh, demonstrates, or the 2017 ICER, 2016 ICER analysis demonstrates, the effect, the knock-on effect that has on the overall Alaska economy. It's shocking how tilted that is, how how protective of the top 20% at the, at the expense of the rest of Alaskans and the, at the expense of the rest of the Alaska economy. It's shocking how tilted that is. But that's the only option that that uh, the, the House Finance and the, and, the, and the Majority House Caucus says they can talk about. I mean, right. they have members. Obviously, Josephson uh, uh, is, is talking about something different. Ivy Sponholtz has talked about something different. So they have members who recognize the tilted effect. And who and who are who want to talk about uh, different options, options that are better for Alaska families and better for the overall Alaska economy, but somehow inside that caucus, um, uh, it's being cut off. That that those who want to protect the top 20 percent 
are stifling that debate. And I, and I, we need to find out who inside that caucus is siding with the top 20% against the remaining 80% of Alaska families who's siding with the top 20% against the overall Alaska economy. Well, and that's because that's what it's really become. It's really become class warfare. I mean, income-based, like if you're in the top 20%, we're here to protect you from getting hit too hard. Everybody else can go suck it, essentially, is what it is. No matter what the effect is on people, and and again, we're looking at this down the lowest 20% where they're being affected by, you know, 34% of their income being taken by government uh, versus, you know, 2 or 1% on the top 20 or the top 10 or the top 5 Um you know, that is a direct, I mean, as a direct attack on the rest of Alaskans outside of that top 20 percent. And and that's yeah. that's and I agree. I think we need to call names and figure out who's in favor of this and who's not. Class warfare and generational warfare is what Kathleen says, Brad. And, and I can't disagree with her. I mean, that's that's exactly what we're facing. This is generational warfare. Those who are in the in the in the catbird seat right now, kicking the can down the road to our children and grandchildren and protecting those upper income earners in the state of Alaska, uh, basically leading, leaving everybody else to rot or pay for it. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, Andy Josephson sort of had in, in this in the in the piece in the James Brooks article has sort of pulled back the curtain a little bit. And he said, yes, there are some of us in this caucus, because this is the caucus that's making the decision. There are some of us in this caucus who, who want to use other mechanisms. If we're going to have to, if we're going to spend this money, who want to use other mechanisms um, in order to uh, make this a much fairer um, uh, uh, distribution of, 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 of impact uh, of, of raising the revenues to, to, to spend the money. There are some of us in this caucus who want to do that. But the majority of the caucus has decided that we're going to go down this track that protects the top 20%. Well, okay, let's, let's pull the curtain all the way back. Let's go through all 25 members in that caucus. And let's start talking about are they for, are they protecting the top 20%, or are they, are they in favor of the, of the bulk of Alaskans, the remaining 80%, the middle and lower income Alaska families? And, you know, you can put some people immediately over on the top 20%. You can say Steve Thompson from Fairbanks has been very clear throughout. He, he wants to cut the PFD, and he's prepared to cut the PFD down to zero if that's what it takes in order to protect uh, the top 20%. And Chuck Kopp has made many of the same statements, and Jennifer Johnston has made many of the same statements over time. So you can, you can start counting down. You can start counting down. There are others who have said that they're there for remain for to protect uh, the bulk of Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families, the overall Alaska economy. And you can put those. And I I'm guessing over time I'm going to be able to piece together enough statements to figure out what what's going on in there. And I'm guessing when I do, they're going to be people who are saying one thing and doing another uh behind behind the closed doors of the caucus wait really i mean that would never i mean that i mean politicians they would never do that never do that i mean uh it's you know and and here's what gets me is that they're completely ignoring the will of the people now do they do that at their own peril or are they counting on the fact that people are very short term they don't remember they don't keep track of it i mean what are your thoughts oh yeah well i mean <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're counting on the fact that people won't remember, and I think they're counting on the fact that the that the that the curtain can remain pulled, 
and that they can say one thing out in public and do another thing, do another thing uh, in private and sure. blame it off and blame it off on, you know, oh, I wanted to do I wanted to to like Andy Josephson. I wanted to, to you know, do it more fairly. But, oh, it was the other people in, the, in that room that, you know, that, that, that made us do it, uh, made it do us this way. This is this this goes back to another problem you and I've talked about before, which is the binding caucus. I mean, we've got we've now got a situation in which we know that there are people inside that caucus that want to do things more fairly. If we're going to have to raise if we're going to have to raise money, if we're going to keep spending at high enough levels that we have to raise money that want to do it more fairly. We know there are people in there that want to do it, but they're being bound to vote for uh, what the caucus as a whole decides, which is to protect the top 20% at the expense of the remaining 80%. And so I, so we're, we're going right back into the same binding caucus issue uh, that we've had, that we've had problems with before. Which again is one of our, uh, one of our charter of changes that, that we've said needs to happen uh, because the, I mean, this stuff just can't go on. I mean, it just can't because they, they can hide behind it. As we just said, they can hide behind it and then say, well, I tried, but, you know, I was bound by the caucus. And if I wanted to get anything done, then I had to toe the line and yada, yada, yada. I made all my cuts in subcommittee, as Tammy uh, would tell me. Uh, I, I attempted to do all my things. I had to play ball once I got out on the floor, which I think in a lot of ways is an easy way to, uh, you know, dodge the bullet in the end. You could do those things, especially tilt at windmills when you know you're not going to make it. And then uh, when it comes push comes to shove, you can vote, uh, you know, with the majority and still have that political cover. Yeah, well, they didn't even make the cuts up committee. I mean, well, this, this time, yeah, this time around they didn't. Yeah, no. Thirty-eight, a one point six billion dollar deficit, and the subcommittees made thirty-eight billion dollars in aggregate cuts. That's a joke. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a joke. They're not. They're not even trying. And and if I if I go into those thirty-eight million dollars, I bet a, a not insignificant part of even that thirty-eight million dollars is budget gimmicks, as a, as opposed to real <laughs> live cuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! We didn't even get into the voodoo sorcery of 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 the of the shell games. That's true. I hadn't even looked at that. Now we'll have to take a look. But we're moving on to number two, which is finally we've got the governor's ten year plan, and uh, it's anybody that wants to read it can see the truth on the wall. Brad, what are your thoughts on the governor's ten year plan? This is the most important document that has been published in the last seven years in the state of Alaska on fiscal issues. This is a document we should have had in 2015 when we started into uh, uh, this fiscal dive that we've had uh, the last uh, seven years. Um, it's a document we should have had uh, uh, at the beginning, frankly, of, of, of Governor Dunleavy's term. It was due under the statute on December 15th as part of the original budget. I can understand why it might have been delayed some from that, but it's been delayed three months. Um, and it would, I think it would have made a difference had this document been available sooner in the session rather than later. But, but, it's, but, we've, but we've got it now. And this is, if, any, if, if there are people listening who haven't read this document, and, and you want to know about the state of Alaska's fiscal situation, this is the document you've got to read. It, it, is, it is everything that I would ever want 
discussed about Alaska's fiscal situation uh, in one document. It does a great job of laying out four scenarios um, that talks about you know where we're going to go. One is the first is Governor Dunleavy's budget, or where we could go. One is the first. The first is Governor's Governor Dunleavy's budget, which is spending cuts, significant spending cuts, um, and preserving the PFD as is under the current statute going forward, and the and and how that plays out over the next ten years. And then the second scenario is uh, continuing to balance the budget by reducing PFDs. It's on page 11 of the document. If you have not looked at that chart, the scenario two chart on page 11 of the document, you absolutely have to do that. It shows that continuing to balance the budget by reducing PFDs, which, you know, if you look at what the House Finance Committee was saying over the weekend is the direction they're going, the PFD, and, and hold on to your hats, and I know the people who listened to the show yesterday already know this, but the but the PFD disappears in two more years. Disappears, not just not just is cut is gone in two more years. Scenario three talks about uh, avoiding the problem, fix avoiding fixing the problem by making unsustainable draws. That's what we've been doing the last seven years. We've been writing down uh, sixteen billion dollars in savings. Uh, over the last uh, uh, seven years, scenario three is what if we continue to do that uh, and we start writing down the earnings reserve account using that now as as a uh, as a as a, uh, a reserve category as a, as a savings category and start writing it down. It shows that show and, and continue spending the way we have. It shows that the earnings reserve account, which funds not only the PFD but also funds the portion of, of uh, earnings that are going to support government, that the earnings reserve account is gone by 2028, is drained out by 2027. Uh, and in 2028, we, 2028 we, have, we don't even have the earnings reserve account left. And then the final scenario is balancing the budget uh, with new taxes, with, with alternative fundraising mechanisms than the PFD. Now, I... This one I take issue with because of the way in which they're calculating the per-person taxes. Um, I, they're they're calculated, calculating it in a way to sort of hype the number uh, more than I think is is fair. But nonetheless, it's a representation of what it, what it takes. We're going to continue with a status quo budget, and we're going to finance it uh, with new taxes. And in and, and these four scenarios are 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 the way that. We should have been thinking about this issue since the beginning, since 2015. It's the way we should be thinking about the issue now. And, and the document does just an absolutely outstanding job um, in putting together, uh, putting together the picture. Now, understanding that it does such an outstanding job, the Democrats immediately started complaining about it. Uh, Bryce Edgman on Friday afternoon uh, told uh, uh, Andrew Kitcheman of Alaska Public uh, Radio Alaska Public News that uh, uh, that it was it was too late it wasn't helpful because you know the governor should be working with the house now he shouldn't be you know putting out these putting out these documents that defend his position and that and that it was flawed because it didn't show a middle road it didn't show you know something uh, like some spending cuts with some 
uh, uh, new revenue options. It didn't do that. Well, you can figure all that out. I mean, like a rocket scientist right. to figure out to figure out the the middle points in this. But this is this is an absolutely critical document. Uh, the governor's office has done a, a, a terrific job. Department of Revenue, OMB have done a terrific job putting this document together. It ought to be the document that everybody carries around and uses as a template on how we're going how we're going to deal with this issue from here on out. Well, and it's amazing again, Bryce Edgman, and the kind of commentary that we see of, well, you've got to, you know, we should, he should have met us in the middle, and you know, you can reach into the middle too. You know, you could come up with some solutions other than status quo, which seems to be the solution that they want to push on right now. Just status quo, not even not even holding government to the same level. Uh, with the with the automatic escalators and the increases, they just want to you know we're just going to keep it going the way it is. That that seems yeah. to be the answer. Yeah, it was it was really humorous to read. I mean, I, it took me a while to get around to reading the Kitchman article that had Bryce's quote on it. And by the time I did, shortly after, I was reading the article that said that talked about the thirty eight million dollars in cuts that they made. So yeah, I'm not sure where Bryce is getting is getting you know we're going to make these big cuts and 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 this document doesn't take this into account 38 million dollars in cuts is not is not big cuts but this is this this is just a uh, an excellent article and and frankly frankly if i if i were if i were um uh controlling things in a way that nobody can but if i were if i were to try to put it up i would i would have people in the in the legislature say all right are you for scenario one scenario two scenario three or scenario four because uh, that's basically what we've come down to. They're really these these capture all of the options uh, that are out there, and uh, and and you know people are making decisions. I basically the House uh, uh, the House Democrat or the House Majority Caucus is now saying that they're for Scenario Two: continue to balance the budget by reducing PFDs, um, and that's the scenario. Again, folks, if you haven't looked at this document. Um, the link, links to it are on, I'm sure are on the, the show's website. They're on the Alaskans for Sustainable uh, Budgets uh, uh, Facebook page. If you haven't read this document, looked at this document, just in, all you need to do is pick it up and look at page 11. Um, you see that the, that, the, that the scenario and the track that the House says they're on now is, is scenario two, and that cuts that eliminates PFDs in two years. That kicks the can down a very short road because now you've only got two years and then you're out of money there. Then what do you do? And see, that's, I mean, that's the problem. Then what do you do? And nobody seems to be have, thinking about this in the long term. It's always this year, this year, this year. We'll take the PFDs. Now, uh, uh, Bill makes a, I'm sorry, it's not Bill. Charlie makes a, 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 a a, a good point in the chat room. He says one of the things that he thinks that it's not necessarily class warfare. The PFD is the only readily available pot of money. Uh, any taxing system won't produce money for some time. We need to make the cuts to put them in place for longer term fixes, which I agree with. Uh, Brad, we're down to less than a minute. I'm sorry. I just looked at the clock. So give me your thoughts and we'll wrap up. Well, I think that's wrong. Uh, there are ways that we can do interim financing until we, until we get the, uh, until we get a tax system up. Uh, we can do with holding off the PFD, for example, to provide interim financing until we can get the tax system up. A flat tax is not a very complicated system. It's just a percent of AGI. Easy to implement, easy to do. So I, I think that's just wrong. All right. Uh, final thoughts here as we wrap up, 25 seconds. 
Well, I, uh, uh, I, if, if, again, if nobody has read this, if you, if, if there's anybody out there who hasn't read this document, read it and now start to think about scenario one, scenario two, scenario three, and scenario four, and put people in these categories. The House majorities in scenario two, they're going to eliminate, eliminate the PFD uh, on, okay. the road they're, on the road they're going down. I mean, when you read these scenarios, you could just see that, I mean, that somebody somebody read this and all the color drained out of their face when they kind of laid it out in stark terms of, wow, this is really what we're facing right now. This is exactly what we're facing, and um, I guess we're just going to continue blindly ahead. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, this is a document I'm – this is a document I wish we'd done in 2015, 2016, 17, 18. Now we find we're doing it late in 2019, but now we're finally doing it. And it's a document that really lays out the four paths that Alaska has in front of it. And you really can see, I mean, you can step back and say, okay, the House says that they're, that they're not going to make big cuts. That's the, that's the effect of the subcommittee action. The House says they're going to take it out of the hide of, of the PFD. That's what Andy Josephson said. Uh, in today's paper, okay, let me go to the let me go to the document. Yep, that's scenario two, and yep, the PFD's gone in two years. So let's say Bryce says, "Oh, we're going to make some more cuts." Well, maybe we can get the PFD out to three years. But the PFD, the way the House majority is going, the PFD goes away. Yeah, we eliminate we eliminate a mechanism that has. A, a hugely positive effect on the overall Alaska economy has a hugely positive effect on on 80% of Alaska families just so we can protect the top 20%. It's going away. That's where the House majority is taking us. Very frustrating. Uh, several people have commented in the chat room that they went out to the governor's meeting in the Kenai last night and they said, uh, Beeble said it was enlightening. I feel like I can think clearer now after seeing and hearing the budget details and the directions or choices we have. Unfortunately, I think there's a large public sector that's being misinformed or, should I say, indoctrinated. It's scary to see this. Um, and I got to tell you, uh, regardless, uh, Cindy says, regardless of the personal feelings of last night's meeting, the presentation was very sombering and everyone should be talking. It was about as factual as it gets. Alaskans need to watch his videos, go to their meetings, get a hold of the presentation and hold our governor government accountable. Um, which I agree. And unfortunately, the special interest has grabbed the wheel of the bus and is driving this thing right now and telling us, you know, again, giving us this false dichotomy of your PFD versus budget cuts. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, what the governor's doing in these meetings is going through the four scenarios. What the House did in, in their meetings, I mean, the House had a perfect opportunity to get out there and inform Alaskans to tell to give Alaskans choices. What the House chose was just say, it's our way or the highway. It's scenario two. We're going down scenario two, by the way. It's just how deep do you want us to go down scenario two? How much do you want us to continue spending? We're going to take it out of the PFD. That's 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 our choice. And and the governor's just doing it, the governor's just doing a much better service to Alaskans. I know he gets beaten up in the press, but the governor's doing a much better service to Alaskans by going out and talking about these four scenarios and saying, which of these do you want to do? As opposed to the house that's that's prejudged which scenario, which road they're going down, um, and uh, and and making the decision for Alaskans, even though not everybody in the caucus agrees with it, we don't know which ones yet, but but making the decision for Alaskans that we're going down scenario two. 
Well, it has been frustrating, too, the way that they've handled this uh, kind of a political disaster with the AFP thing and the registering to go to the governor's plan and everything else. I mean, he should have, you know, he should have rented the largest auditorium he could find and just brought everybody in and sat down and educated everybody. Even, you know, even the people that disagree with him, even the rabble rousers, they should have had an opportunity to come in there and hear what he has to say. I think that's been a major misstep here by his administration. But like you said, Getting this information out there is going to be eye-opening for everybody. It is. I mean, does the House tell you that they're eliminating the PFD? No. They they talk about PFD cuts. But you look. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of ten-year plans. You look at how this. You look at how these policies play out over time. Scenario two makes very clear that the road the House is taking us down eliminates the PFD. It's not a PFD cut. It's a PFD elimination. To yep. protect the top 20%. And that's I, that's just that's the beauty of these 10-year plans. And if I could put one of these in every Alaskan's hands, I would do it. Well, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to post it up on our Facebook page. At the top of the page, though, we will post the governor's 10-year plan. I have a copy of it. And so we will drop it there in the uh, we'll drop it there on the top of the Facebook page and people can go watch it and take a look at it and read it. Uh, It is a you know, it's a it's a 20 page document. It's not a light read, but it has so much information. And when you look down at the at the various uh, uh, opportunities, you realize there's really only a couple options here uh, and then we're done. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And 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 as I say, that's the 10 year plan. I mean. Ice is trying to lay this off that we're only doing this, you know, we're, we're going to take PFD cuts this year. We're going to ramp down spending a little bit, $38 million. We're going to ramp down spending a little bit. We're going to take it. We're going to fund it with PFDs and then just keep working on this. Well, that's scenario two tells you where Bryce's approach takes us. Yeah. And the PFD has gone. And I, I guess I, you know, maybe you want to put on your psychologist hat for just a minute, Brad, and 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 tell me why, why, why are we doing this? I mean, why is this? You know, why are they taking us down this road? I guess is my is my main question. What's the point if they know that it's the destruction of everything that you know that we need? What's the point? Well, we talked about it last week, Michael. It's two things. They're protecting two things. They're protecting government spending. Um, uh, and and the and the constituencies we've built up around government spending, including the education constituency, university constituency, healthcare uh, constituency, we're 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 protecting constituencies, and to be very blunt, we're protecting the top twenty percent. We are we are not going to caught. We're not going to have the top twenty percent contribute to contribute significantly to solving this problem. We're going to take it out of the hides of the remaining 80%, even though it has the, the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy, we're going to take it out of the hides because we are going to protect the top 20%. That's it. All right. They're, protect, they're protecting two groups. We're out of time. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you so much for coming on board and joining us today. We really appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the weekly top three from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube and SoundCloud pages and keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the Weekly Top 3.